All right, today we've got Wasim Sakre. Wasim, thank you so much. And sorry if that was if that was a mispronunciation. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, Joe. I'm very happy to having to have this conversation with you. So, thanks for having me. So, first question: uh, Refresh your memory. What were you doing before in Siad, and what have you been up to for the last twenty years? Yeah, so before in Seyad, I actually spent about three years uh, with Booz Allen um, as a strategy and management consultant. Um, I started actually working with, with Booz Allen for a large um, tel- telecom transformation project um, that was in Riyadh, in Saudi Arabia, actually. At the time, um, the Saudi telecom had a plan to go public. And they had hired JP Morgan to assist them with that and a bunch of consulting company to help them put the company on the right track for, for, for an IPO. And so Booz Allen was hired to, to address basically a lot of the business issues and uh, some of the transformation issues and product launch as well. And so I joined as a young consultant over there um, and worked on a number of uh, topics organizational topics like kind of rethinking the whole organization, benchmarking, uh, working on a staffing model, and then from there worked on some marketing things and product launch. It was really the early days of broadband. So I worked basically mm. on setting up a marketing plan for broadband and, uh, and a variety of things. I spent about 18 months working on this project um, it's a broad a project that many of the Booz Allen consultants of the time worked on. I was listening to the podcast um, uh, you did with Alex Keloff, and he mentioned that project as well. He worked on it. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting, and I keep very interesting memories of the project. Um, and um, yeah, so and, and then you were on it for the 18- whole three years. No, just for Sorry, about 18 months. I actually started mm-hmm. yeah, as, as, as an intern. I uh, was supposed to be an intern for about a year. And then three months into that internship, the senior partner on that project came and said, hey, you're really operating like one of our consultants. Why don't you go finish your degree and, and, and then join us basically on a full-time basis? And that was really nice because if nothing in terms of uh, salary, it was like triple or quadruple between being an intern or or really a full-time analyst, a full-time consultant. And so um, I, I still remember the, the project manager didn't want me to leave for a term to finish my credits. Um, I, was, I was working on a degree, on a business degree in, in France, in Paris. Um, and, uh, and so we had a deal, basically the weekend, uh, in, in Saudi Arabia was, and I think still is a uh, Thursday and Friday. So I was working a full week on the project and then taking a flight from Riyadh to Paris Wednesday night, landing in Charles de Gaulle on Thursday morning, renting a car, going to, to class for Thursday, Friday, and then heading back to Riyadh and hitting Riyadh Saturday morning taking a shower That's and brutal. going to, to client site. So for a full <laughs> term, I mean, I was like 22, 23 at the time. So I had the motivation oh. and the energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tired just thinking about that. Hold on, let's, let's back up a little more. Like where are you from originally? I, 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 I don't, I, I don't know this. Yeah. So I actually was born and grew up in, in Lebanon, um, in okay. Beirut. The, the Lebanese so I used mafia. to spend yeah, like yeah. kind of, 
Japanese mafia. Yeah, so I used to spend like the nine months of the school year, if you're the academic year in, in Beirut, and then spend the, the, the remaining three months of the year in the mountains um, and sometimes at the beach, but essentially at the, at the mountains. And then um, I actually uh, studied engineering in, in Lebanon, communications engineering. And then at the end of this kind of five-year program, um, I thought, okay, what's next? And I thought I'm going to go and continue my studies. But I had kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. I thought either I go to the U.S. for, a, for an additional master's um, and continue engineering in the U.S. Otherwise, I'll go and study business in Europe. And so at the time, I mean, I didn't have really the um, the resources to fund uh, a master's in the U.S. So I targeted a couple of universities that, that kind of was uh, reasonable in terms of tuition fees. So I sent my files to Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, but I didn't accept it in either, didn't get accepted in either. So so I, I followed basically more the business route and I came and studied business just after engineering in in, in Paris and then joined Booz Allen during, during these um, uh, these studies. Gotcha. Thank you. And so, Thank you. so so we were talking about this uh, kind of first phase at Buzal and 18 months in, 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 in Riyadh, but I had the plan to go back to Paris. So so when I accepted the offer I was talking about from, from, from the partner, I flagged early on that I wanted to go back to Paris. And he said, well, I mean, it shouldn't be a problem. You can just transfer with us. And so by end of the, the that year and a half, it's about end of 2000, I moved with Booz Allen to Paris and I worked on a variety of topics, uh, some telco um, um, and, and telco uh, projects. It was more strategy pro- projects, often like two to three month projects. So very different from the project I worked on in Saudi Arabia. Um, I moved around in terms, I mean, I was based in Paris, but worked on a project in Italy, another project in, in, in Belgium, um, some project in, in France as well. Um, had the opportunity to work on on, a, on an industry project with Air Liquid. It's an industrial gases company, French, but that is now like a, a, a very large uh, global business. And very interesting project in many ways. A um, lot of variety. You've probably heard this from many consultants uh, you've spoken with. Um, yeah, but it was really a lot of, lot of fun. And in the course of those three years, I met a lot of INSEAD alumni um, at Booz Allen in particular, and I was really inspired by the accessibility, the, the understated approach, and, and really the culture. And so I was very um, attracted to INSEAD as an MBA program. It also fit well with, um, with the fact that I got married in 2001. So my wife was working in Paris and it, it really wasn't a great um, thing for me to go f- two years to the US. I'd just been through engineering studies and business studies. Mm-hmm. So a, a total of seven years. So a one-year program made sense to me. And um, and yeah, so I got I got sponsored by Booz Allen to go and, and study at, at INSEAD. So, yep, and um, spent uh, the 10 months shuttling between Bourreau-Marlotte. I, I had rented um, a, a house in Bourreau-Marlotte, but was spending a lot of the weekends in Paris with, with my wife. So I sure. was kind of, on one hand, in Fontainebleau, but spending a lot of time in Paris as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha, which must have been kind of weird having one foot in each place, and, you know, a different kind of experience, presumably. 
Uh, indeed, I, I think a lot of kind of the 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 social life of of Insead, uh, I kind of missed it. I, I didn't I didn't miss much of the national weeks, but probably mm-hmm. the, the 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 chateau parties were not the, the the things that I was able to to kind of yeah. be part of often. All right, so now we're we're you, you finished Insead. Uh, what's been going on for the last twenty years? Yeah, so. Um, I kind of uh, went to Insad with the view that most probably I want to 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 move into investments. In any case, explore other avenues than than consulting. Um, I mean, you re- you recall the, the the context, the economic context, and and the difficulty to land jobs at the time. But I was lucky enough actually to get a summer program uh, offer from Goldman Sachs. So after we finished uh, Insead, I went for a summer program in London. And uh, when I finished it, I got an offer to join uh, Goldman. So I joined Goldman for three years. I mean, from the outset, for me, it was a springboard to go into into private private equity investments. So I spent three years. Um, after the three months in London, I moved back to Paris. So I didn't have kind of really an industry coverage per se. It was a country coverage. And I worked on a, on a number of topics. I mean, essentially transactions in M&A. Um, in uh, financing uh, IPOs as well. It was really the period where the economy was was growing fast. There was uh, um, a, a low interest environment. Uh, it was the, probably uh, a period where we saw it, it was Greenspan at the time at the Fed, um, mm-hmm. a lot of quantitative easing as well. And so I worked on a number of buyout deals, but it was very interesting to be uh, looking at what was happening in the economy and in the financial uh, uh, world uh, as, as, as a young banker. Uh, I remember when I came in, I was working on some pitches for uh, private equity funds, and we used to, to work on a standard uh, uh, buyout model, assuming three to four times EBITDA in leverage and debt. And kind of one third equity, one third debt, which meant like the the average valuation would be six times EBITDA. And by the time I left in 2006, we were running models, standard models at nine, 10 times, about (laughs) six, seven times um, EBITDA in terms of debt and barely 25% equity. So yeah, it it was really interesting. But beyond the fact that Goldman was obviously a great springboard to go into investments, I got really to see uh, what private equity is really about uh, because a lot of the deals I worked on were private equity uh, were private equity deals. Um, and um, I think the context of that period and the ease of financing was such as, at least that was my perception, what the private equity investors were doing was very similar to what I was doing as a banker. And so I thought, okay, this is not what I want to be doing. So I started looking for um, funds that are rather small to mid-market, that are very hands-on and involved in the businesses they invest can, in. Can, can, can you elaborate on that a little bit? What, 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 what were the things you were seeing that, that you, you know, maybe didn't see from the outside, but now you're on the inside that you didn't like and you didn't want to, didn't want to you know, uh, spend time doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think, again, it's 20 years ago, so private equity was not uh, the asset class that it is today in terms of size 
of, of, of funds and in terms of how the, the industry has matured, um, we think about really the stories of transformations uh, when we think about private equity. And so when I was working as, as an advisor for many of these funds, what I saw is that at the end of the day, the key focus was really the financial engineering and the capacity to have the right access to management on one hand, and on the other hand, um, getting access to the best debt package. I'm kind of oversimplifying here. I didn't see a lot of kind of depth in terms of understanding the businesses and more particularly transforming them. Now, uh, one thing I have to say is that post the crisis in 2008 and then 2009, 2010, a lot of the funds started thinking that, hey, we can't just rely on financial engineering. We're going to need to transform businesses and so on and so forth. And that's when you saw funds starting to recruit more consultants, starting to get more operating partners on board and so on and so forth. And so that, that kind of focus on financial engineering is something I didn't like in the sense that I wanted to be involved with management in transforming businesses, in building growth stories or turnaround stories. And, um, and yeah, so that informed really my, uh, my next steps in terms, of, in terms of career and in terms of what I'm going to look for. And um, I started looking, and very interesting. And what year are we talking I, about here? I, that you've, you've kind of you, you've made. Um, yeah, two thousand six. Two thousand six. It was a, it was a good time. <laughs> I okay. didn't okay. didn't know okay. that we we're gonna run through all the mm-hmm. troubles we we run into afterwards in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. It was two thousand six, early two thousand six. I started looking for for new opportunities in the investment space, and I. Um, I came uh, across a, an ad on MBA Exchange at the time. It was a platform that was used by INSEAD, Wharton, and I think a couple of other MBAs. And I saw an ad from the Invis Group, um, a group I had never heard of, uh, looking for associates for, 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 for private equity investment. And as I read basically the the, uh, the, the, the job posting, I was very attracted by the story because they were hiring only consultants. The founder was a BCG consultant and their focus was really on bringing on board young consultants, grow them internally and really focus on transforming businesses with flexibility uh, of cap- in terms of capital and in terms of time horizon. It was more and still is um, an evergreen structure rather than a fund structure. And so I interviewed with them, um, fell in love with the people and the story, and and joined uh, Invis uh, out of Paris in 2006. Um, and yeah, so that that's where about April, uh, April 2000, uh, April 2006. Family-wise, ap- um, I got my first kid uh, in May, May 2006. Uh, I had just started with with Invis. Um, and so, um, yeah, uh, as I was mentioning, Invis is kind of running an evergreen structure at the time. It was already a few billions in assets under management, um, uh, based in particular out of New York. That's where the headquarters is running family capital, but with a very kind of, I would say autonomous and institutional, uh, structure, um, I was based in Paris. There were already two partners based in Europe. Uh, the um, the business was quite focused on uh, consumer, 
so they had invested in children apparel business, um, in in food businesses and retail businesses. Um, and uh, I joined, I was the only one sitting in Paris. Um, there was already an assistant who's been working for Invis for a for, for few years. And it was very interesting, the shift from working uh, for large um, large companies with a lot of infrastructure to being on your own in a small office with an assistant and having even to mm-hmm. to take care of maybe some IT issues and and some other kind of accounting issues and so on and so forth. And uh, yeah, so it um, uh, it was in, in many ways entrepreneurial. Um, and um, yeah, started working on some on some projects. We were selling we were selling a, a biscuits business, so I worked on that. I was involved with the retail uh, businesses we had. Um, uh, Invest had already invested in a in a hair dresser um, uh, business in Europe, and uh, that was really a very transformative project. We we ended up helping them acquire all the European assets of uh, Regis Corp, which is an American company that owns, I think, like. 10,000 uh, hair salons, either as company-owned uh, uh, salons or cool. as, as franchisees. Uh, so a very transformative, very transformative deal. And then 2008 hit with the, with, with, with the subprime story and, 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 and the Lehman collapse and so on and so forth. I was lucky actually to be in a very solid uh, investment group because we had kind of a family, uh, family capital that meant we were very um, uh, solid. We were investing out of balance sheet, not very levered in a sense in our assets, but in particular, we were able to absorb volatility. And um, um, I had already been with, with Invest for two years and two, two things kind of draw my attention. One is that Invest had been investing in other industries than consumer in the US, um, in particular tech. Um, and uh, healthcare as well, um, and um, they already they had already in two thousand three set up an equities business, a long only business, and so I started having conversation with my colleagues in Europe and as well with the CEO and other colleagues in the US about the opportunity to uh, set up an equities business in in Europe, um, a long only conviction driven. And so we started the diligence on that in 2008. It was a great opportunity. Assets were, let's say, cheap. Uh, We had as well the possibility to absorb volatility. And so a year later, uh, we decided to set up an equities business in in Europe. Um, um, uh, We set that up. Um, At that point of time, uh, I already had um, another colleague based with me in Paris. Uh, Mar- Mario Kalustian, actually, who's uh, one of our INSEAD uh, mates from, from, from INSEAD, our promotion. Uh, so we were working together on setting up um, this, this equities business together with the PM out of New York. So we launched that. Uh, we were doing as well the private equity business. Um, started looking at tech opportunities across Europe. Um, yeah, and the fast forward is that over the years, we were able to invest very smartly in the equities business in Europe uh, to as well invest in, in, in Hong Kong um, to, to, to hire a team. Uh, we as well uh, come across a number of interesting opportunities in the tech space in Sweden, in Finland, 
um, in Switzerland as well, or the UK. And many of these businesses had subsidiaries because they were tech businesses and, and software as a service businesses. So they had businesses in the US and China as well. Um, so, so I was traveling quite a bit, actually, and, and, and came across and met a lot of interesting people, obviously. Let me ask you a question about this. So, so when you say equities, I, I assume you mean public equities, not private equities like, like you would normally invest. When, when you buy these public equities as a private equity company, how, how involved are you in the company? Or are you just sitting on the sidelines, you know, buying and presumably holding for the long term the, the, the yeah. stock? So what, what we were doing uh, is, uh, is both private equity in the sense that we would invest in companies as a majority owner or a large minority, and we would be sitting at board level, but also involved with the team on multiple projects that can be value, value accretive to the business, that can transform the business. And there we were very hands-on. In, in many ways. And, um, and and as I mentioned earlier, Invis recruited only consultants because we wanted to support management as, in a sense, a free resource. Now, the equities business um, did not aim, aside from specific cases maybe, but in general, we were targeting medium to large caps, liquid. And so the idea would be to have basically returns on cash that we were not investing in private equity. So we had, uh, we, it was a typical public equities business. We were going through brokers, but we were very keen on getting the right access to management, to understand businesses, to have quality conversations with management. And so our key focus was on saying, okay, we can absorb volatility. We can understand, we think the businesses, we can be contrarian. And let's see where there are inefficiencies, where the market has not potentially understood the story. And we'd come in basically and invest and work around, around the position. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, within Invest, those two activities were separate in terms of the teams. There was a team for private equity, a team for public equities. But given how we built the, the business in, in Europe, it meant that uh, myself, Mario as well, we were maybe spending on average like 30% of our time on the listed equities side and then maybe say 70% on the private equity side. Gotcha. Thanks. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was, it was a fantastic period aside from, from, from the travel and, and the variety of topics. To me, it was really the first time where I got so close to entrepreneurship. So I wasn't an entrepreneur, obviously, being an investor. But I was really often working with entrepreneurs. Our focus, I would say, and where we ended up investing was not the plain vanilla buyouts. We had a flexible mandate. We invested in pre-revenue businesses, in, law, in late stage growth businesses, and sometimes in buyout businesses. But yeah, it was flexible, met many po- entrepreneurs. Um, you get to see how difficult it is actually to be an entrepreneur and to learn from that. And um, yeah, there are so many uh, fun stories and, and, and learning out of, out of that. And, um, and over the years, I kind of started developing the, uh, the, the kind of the, uh, the inclination to say to, to, be, to, to run a business, to, to go and mm-hmm. take a piece and run with it and, and, and so on. And I remember in 2018, so we had invested in a, in a robotics business for waste management in, in Finland. 
And I was the chairman of the board and was very involved with the business. And at some point, we decided that the business needed a different CEO in terms of profile, in terms of where the business was. And so I was, I was really owning and running the process of, of identifying uh, good candidates to present to the board. And at some point during the, the, this process, I thought, hmm, if this business was based in Paris, I probably would have taken the role. So it was mm. that point of time where I started thinking, okay, maybe it's it's interesting to to consider to consider um, uh, going and 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 running a business or at least being part of the leadership of of a scale up in a sense. Uh, yeah. And so you know when 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 that that, that starts kind of uh, working, you it's probably when you kind of think, okay, maybe I should do something about it. Yeah, and so. Um, in 2019, I, so 13 years, uh, uh, with Invis, I actually left and, and, and joined a fintech, um, a scale up about at the time. It, it, so early 2020, it was about maybe 60, 65 employees and yeah. And, and high single digit million euros in revenues. So it wasn't a startup anymore, but it was still burning a bit of cash and the idea for me was to, to to kind of join and and partner with the CEO founder to to co-run the business and 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 scale it up and grow it significantly. It was it was growing nicely at about 15-20%, but the idea was to accelerate to accelerate growth. Um, it was the first time for me where I had where I took kind of a a, a, a C level leadership opportunity. So I joined as formerly deputy CEO, but really as a partner with the, with the CEO. I joined the board, invested in the business, um, and um, and um, barely a couple of weeks into the role, COVID hit and we went into a lockdown. So I I needed to to kind of reset objectives to not just in terms of quantitative objectives but also in terms of direction for the business. Um, sure. We had we had a kind of a, a, a bit of a fragile balance sheet and we needed to kind of um, uh, we need we needed to to have the, the a minimum level of 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 own capital of paid in capital from a regulatory perspective. So it was a payment business regulated by the same regulator than the banks okay and we needed to really report on our uh on our minimum capital and so on and so forth and that meant we couldn't spend uh spend as much as we wanted unless we could preserve our capital and so we had to be very careful about how we spent capital during the covid crisis um uh, but nevertheless, it was a very interesting journey. Um, I recruited a number of people uh, reporting directly to me, uh, reset kind of a uh, number of areas in the business and the strategy. It was, I mean, as any as any startup, if you wish, it was created from scratch um, a few years before. It was kind of uh, addressing small merchant as well as medium large enterprises. Um, and um, so um, the, the product itself was way was was clearly more adapted for an enterprise offering. Um, it was not something that um, that could that a small merchant can take and run with uh, on it on his or her own. Um, it's not really a self serve. You, you needed to support the merchant to integrate the product, though it was API based, and then and then yeah, there was some hand holding and so on and so forth. And so 
very quickly saw that the opportunity for us was to focus on medium-large enterprise. We were addressing recurring uh, businesses, so subscriptions, but also kind of all utility businesses and so on and so forth. So I focused the business on medium-large enterprise, but that meant as well that we needed to make sure that the team is focused on that and we have the capabilities to focus on that. I mean, you, you don't for example, market your product the same way if you're addressing a, a long tail of thousands and sure, tens of sure. thousands of yeah. merchants than addressing 100, 200 medium-large enterprise clients. So yeah, we worked on that. We were successful. And you, you, you in, kind of identified that and helped sort of reposition the company to, to point towards that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we... we um, there are two... It's essentially a few things we needed to, to very quickly do. We needed to kind of make sure that we stop basically spending resources, be it from product perspective or from a marketing perspective or sales perspective on the long tail, okay? Uh, we needed to bring on board people that can really address medium, large enterprise. And so we did that. Uh, we also kind of uh, reviewed all our internal infrastructure in terms of pipeline, in terms of contract generation, in terms of how we, 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 we negotiate deals and so on. Um, the company had already introduced minimum, minimum uh, uh, commitments in the contracts, but it was a, a thin part of our business. So I pushed a lot for us to kind of incentivize clients to accept minimum commitments in all contracts. And so we were, we were increasing the penetration of these minimum, minimum commitments. Yeah. And, and so um, the, out of the COVID um, uh, 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 period, we decided that we want to go and, and raise more funds but we needed as well to deal with the fact that from a capital structure perspective or from a capital table cap table perspective, we had investors that needed to exit. And so we were kind of running a dual process, but we mm. came in the market kind of late. We were in the market the second half of 2021. We started kind of uh, our roadshow in October 2021, and that's where the market was starting really to get um, nervous. Um, in two, three months into that uh, process, given my kind of experience with Invis and Goldman, I felt that the momentum in the process and the level of appetite was not there. And I discussed with the founder that most probably what we need to do is to make sure that the business is a going concern without even having to add more capital. And so we decided that we needed to get the business to profitability in the next few months. I kind of also th saw that most probably investors are going to be focused on lower growth curves, but profitable companies. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we had the opportunity to be able to pivot towards that. So we, 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 we did that. Unfortunately, that required basically reducing, reducing headcount. To me, it was also an a time where kind of I figured, hey, um, we're probably going to sell this business to a trade buyer. So me kind of running the business as a standalone business is not going to happen. So it's probably the right time for me to exit the business from, a, from an operational perspective. I don't want to be um, kind of in a position where I have to follow the business. So I had already thought a little bit about my succession. So I had kind of two people reporting to me that could take over the, the role on the go-to-market side. 
um, the founder was was happy to continue with the business until it is sold and potentially to kind of do a transition period, um, given where he was in in, in his career uh, timeline. And so I stepped back on the operational side. I stayed for 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 a few months as a board, stayed obviously a shareholder of of the business. And just basically in the second half of last year, we signed an agreement to to sell the business to a trade buyer, a Swedish payment business okay. called Trustly. And we mm-hmm. actually execute, I mean, closed the sale um, in December, uh, j- just before the holidays. So, so yeah, congratulations! It, it, it That's was fantastic. A fantastic run. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, yeah, you so still, uh, um, is, is, is the dust still settling, or have you figured out what's next? Um, no, I mean, the, 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 the dust is still settling in the sense that I, I've already spent few months and I'm planning to spend the next few months still with the family. Um, I have three kids. So the eldest is, 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 um, in 13th grade and the two others are a bit younger. Uh, my wife, um, travels and works quite a bit. She's in private equity. And so I feel it's the time for me to be a, a house dad. So I'm spending time mm-hmm. with the family and I'm, it's it's really a blast, um, and um, yeah, and I'm I'm gonna take some time to think through what I'm going to do. There's there's obviously the the route of saying okay, so here here are the industries and the type of businesses I know, and I I, I have now kind of the, yeah the, the I I've been running a business and I know that I love it and enjoy it and 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 I can bring uh, things to the table. Um, and I obviously get calls for these type of roles, but yeah, but I, I have kind of some questions going on, um, on, on, on my end kind of, Hey, I mean, um, kind of what's not my legacy, but it's almost kind of what's our legacy as a generation. If you think about some of the issues we're running into collectively Mm -hmm. today from a climate perspective, rise of conflicts, are there things that I can do with others to contribute more positively and 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 potentially leave a world in better shape for our kids. I mean, it's easy to embark in a new kind of five to seven year cycle to grow a business um, and and kind of add something to to a career track and and potentially earn more 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 money. But uh, but yeah, there are other other things on my mind. Well, th- that might be a great segue for for the last question I ask everybody, which I think you told me to ask everybody, and I, and I love it. Is is the two parter? Um, what what could us could, could we as the community uh, do to help you in the stage you're at, or vice versa? Are there any things that you are there things you could do that you have been doing or, or want to do to help the community? Yeah. So, um, I mean, as, as you can uh, see from what I'm sharing, I'm really at the early stages of my thinking about this, this shift. Mm-hmm. So if anyone in the community has been through this process um, uh, on one hand or has been dealing or thinking through things around climate topics or potentially even kind of platform to affect change, um, in reducing conflicts in a, in a non-conventional way. It's not like kind of a political journey. It's kind of more thinking, okay, out of the box around these ideas. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I would be interesting just in discussing, brainstorming. That would be really great. 
Um, in terms of what I can bring to to the community, I mean, th- there are there are a variety of of things I can I can help with. I mean, I've, it ranges from fundraising, thinking about investment agreements or shareholder agreements. I've been on this both sides of the table as an entrepreneur, owner, manager, as well as an investor, and kind of learned on both sides of the table. So I'm happy to to share with this. I mean, I've also run uh, a bit as a hands-on investor or as an operator, go-to-market teams. So happy to kind of as well discuss and brainstorm around that. Yeah, so th- those are kind of topics where I can maybe help and support. Um, I also kind of enjoy as well thinking about private investments and how to run a personal portfolio, not just equities, more broadly. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is kind of um, interested in these conversations, happy as well to to to, to help and to support with, with the thinking there. That's great. That's great. That's some big, big, heady stuff. Um, this has been really interesting. Thanks, thanks so, so much for your time. Really, really good talking. Thank you, Joe. Thanks very much for your time. And I'm grateful for the time you spent with all of us on these podcasts. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.